With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The droid will soon be delivered to the resistance. Leading them to the last Jedi. If Skywalker returns... The new Jedi will rise. Supreme Leader, I take full responsibility. General! Our strategy must now change. The weapon, it is ready. I believe the time has come to use it. We shall destroy the government that supports the Resistance, the Republic. Without their friends to protect them, the Resistance will be vulnerable, and we will stop them before they reach Skywalker. Go. Oversee preparations. Yes, Supreme Leader. night and i don't think we've ever done that brian have we no this is certainly weird i like it though i'm like really awake amy how are you feeling i'm I, like i said i'm good sometimes you record on weekend mornings and the coffee hasn't quite kicked in so we'll see well yeah because if we started like 11 on the east coast it's what like what's eight there yeah That's which crazy. is my normal weekday time but i'm not used to talking to anybody that early well yeah. i don't talk to anybody all day except my cat so well, I try not to talk, but the cat thing, yeah, she loves you. She deserves your talking to. Yeah, we have important conversations. <laughs> so we're uh, we're going to be answering some listener mail tonight. We talked about that for the last month or so. I know I say it every week, but we are going to answer some listener email, and uh, we have some other things to discuss. So, Brian, why don't you get us started, and um, what are we going to do first tonight? Well, I just had a little story I wanted to share, if that's if, if the two of you would oblige me. No. Uh, Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so. just straight to the listener mail. No, please go ahead. Um, so, Amy, you remember, like, maybe a couple weeks ago, you texted me, like, in the middle of the night, and you were like, hey, do you know, do you have the making of Revenge of the Sith? I need a quote from it. Yeah, but I'm going to do the girl thing and say it's not the middle of the night. It was, like, 9 p.m., just because I don't want people to think that. It was, it, it was 10, 10 oh, p.m. In you. my time zone, in my bedtime's like eight or nine. So okay, it was like, there we go. I saw people I felt, think I'm up at one a.m. being like Brian or anybody. <laughs> I need to know. That's right? Messaging strange that's, men in the middle of the night—that's creepy. Least, I'm not a stranger. Um, that's she the didn't least. Say you important. were stranger. You said you were strange. Um, I mean, maybe I don't know. Anyway, that's like the <laughs> least important detail of the story. Anyway, I found that I didn't actually have the making of Revenge of the Sith on 
my shelf at all, uh, which weirded me out because I thought I had it. And so I went and I ordered it on Amazon. And you know how, like, Amazon will be like, here, here's a hardcover for a penny plus shipping. Yep, that's exactly what I did. So you got one, too. Yes. Because it's amazing how much I, I, I'm sure you reference them as much as I do in, in writing articles and stuff. They're, like, invaluable. And how I missed it, I no idea. So I got my copy a couple days ago, and I open it up, and it turns out it's autographed by Hayden Christensen. Wow. Which was my what? My I, I don't think mine is autographed. How random! It was it was personalized to a person named Gabriel. Oh, that's my nephew's. Um, and if if there is a Gabriel out there listening, whose parents have so callously like discarded his copy of this book with Hayden Christensen's signature in it, I'll gladly trade them for one without. But um, but no, it was it, it like I opened it up and I was like shocked by that. But then I started reading it, and there's just, like, one little thing I wanted to share that I found in it that I think sort of combats so many of the tropes about what George Lucas is like as a director. Okay. Um, there's this exchange where uh, this, is, this is Anakin coming up to Padme on the veranda and telling her, like, uh, that the Jedi turned against him. This is, like, after Order 66. And uh, and and he's telling George Lucas, he's like, you understand where my instincts are coming from, Christensen says. I'm trying to give it sort of a monotone. And then Lucas goes, yeah, but monotone isn't right. You're emotional here. You've made a decision, but you don't know if it's the right decision. There's always this good in you, and this little part is always asking, what am I doing? Even at the very end, that's what makes you turn and kill the Emperor. Christensen nods in agreement. At this point, you're not completely cold. The point where you become numb and flat is when you say, I hate you to your best friend, Lucas continues, adding, uh, that last take was really good. Sure, says Christensen. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it just seems like everybody sort of gives the, the, uh, the idea that it's the other way around, that George Lucas was like, give me more monotone, and I don't think that's obviously not the case based on this. That is interesting. I'm curious. I haven't. It's a bad habit of mine when I'm like, oh, I need this book to fill my library. And then I get it. And inevitably, I actually don't need to reference it for a month from now. So I haven't even opened it yet. I also still haven't opened complete locations. and I've had that sitting slacking. But uh, that's interesting. It makes me look forward to. Yeah, there's so much stuff like that. Like Rinsler did a really good job. And you can kind of see how this Revenge of the Sith book was sort of like the prototype for what he'd do for the classic trilogy. You know what I find interesting, Brian is, and I know a lot of people think differently than me, but when you, when you read things like this, like behind the scenes or stories that happened during filming or how, how things played out, you see a movie so many times and you don't really even consider that it's people acting as something like Hayden Christensen is playing Anakin Skywalker and he's not Anakin Skywalker. You know what I mean? So it kind yeah. of humanizes it a little bit more, and it, it kind of shows you how much goes into making a movie and how much people sometimes overlook all those tiny little nuances. Yeah, no, I think I love, I've been addicted to behind-the-scenes stuff uh, from movies since I was like eight, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit was on all the time. Uh, and and I, when I realized that they did that sort of thing with Star Wars, like with from Star Wars to Jedi, I got super into it. So books like this... 
um, I really love. There's a book that I had called Making of Return of the Jedi that was like a paperback that Ballantine put out in like 1985 that was like a Bible to like 10-year-old me. Um, and I actually, I lost it at some point. I don't know where it was. And then I remembered that it existed and it was another one of those things like this where it was like my subconscious texted me in the middle of the night was like, Brian, I think, do you have this book still? And I was like, no. And then I was like, I have to order it. In this day and age where you can get Blu-rays or something on Voodoo with 10 behind the scenes featurettes and all that stuff, like that's kind of like a lost art, like a book like this. Um, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, well. I keep hoping they'll make them, I like that we'll get them for, because I mean, we have a few things before Force Awakens. We have the visual dictionary and the art of, but nothing. I mean, and now too, of course, there are a lot more interviews available online to reference. Yeah. Certainly yeah. more than there were back then, but I hope that we get a making of the Force Awakens book. Well, I, you know, they had one on the schedule and Rinsler did it, but, and and it's done, why it got pushed back and why it, it, it got canceled effectively from Amazon or pre-orders or whatever is really anyone's guess. And I know Rinsler has said in, in um, interviews, you know, like, ask them, the book is done. Oh. Um, I wonder... I wonder if part of that had to do with like maybe the pending lawsuit over Harrison Ford's leg, maybe, or maybe there's stuff in there that they want to hold off on until episode eight is out. That could be. Maybe there's something in there that would give something away or lead people to believe something or I don't know. Speaking of things getting canceled or being pulled down off Amazon beforehand, I think the other day I sent you guys a link that somebody posted on my Facebook page about Amazon already had pre-orders up for Battlefront 2. That's uh-huh. been since removed, but again, somebody wasn't paying attention and it got up there, and that always makes me laugh. Yeah. Because, like, when I don't do my job right, I got a billion people emailing me about it, you know, because it's so, <laughs> yeah, right. I know we've got some mail and some voicemail. Do you want to start with voicemail? So this uh, voicemail that came in through our speak pipe on the website is from Emily. Hey, this is Emily Strand calling from Columbus, Ohio. I just wanted to call and say I really love your show. I just discovered it. Your theme song is particularly awesome. But I love the discussion and I love the community on your show. So thanks also for putting an emphasis on making fandom welcoming um, because I'm a, I'm a new fan and I'm a huge prequel fan. Um, and I've occasionally felt a little twinge of suspicion from long-term fans because I've watched Attack of the Clones many more times than I've watched The Empire Strikes Back. But that's just who I am as a fan. Thanks for making me feel welcome here. Um, Your Rebels Season 2 finale show was particularly great. Vanessa Marshall was awesome, and I'm an even bigger Hera fan now than I was before. In fact, I kept, embarrassingly, forgetting that it wasn't actually Hera on your show, but rather Vanessa Marshall. Um, Your Bloodline episode was a really great episode on a really great book. The one thing that bothered me in the book and in the episode was that there wasn't enough talk about Padme. I was I kept waiting for the scene in the book where where you know Leia came out and said, you know, maybe Vader's my father, but Padme was my mother and and what a wonderful public servant she was. So I'd love to hear you all record an episode on the person of Padme Amidala and the kind of effect that she's had on the Star Wars universe. Um and especially on the on the characters of Luke and Leia. So that's my official request. Thanks a lot for your show. Can't wait to listen to more episodes. You know, she brings up an interesting point, Brian. Um, you focus so much on the Nayberries that you never really talk about Padme. <laughs> well, why don't we talk about Padme from Bloodline and then promise to do an episode on Padme because I love Padme. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I have a terrible memory and don't particularly recall that scene from Bloodline. 
But also, I want to say, Emily, by the way, thank you. That was a really great voicemail. And I'm glad you guys welcomed me. And also, Columbus, I used to live there, and I miss that city. Please go have some Jenny's ice cream and some Barley's beer. Oh, that's right. You're you're an Ohioan. Uh And come see me at Origins when it's in town next. Because I'll be there. Yeah, it was a great voicemail. What did you want to talk about with Bloodline, Brian? Well, no, I just, I, I think whether whether any of us remember or can conjure that specific scene or not, but the idea that, like, the Skywalker kids, which is interesting, we got another email or a message about how do we think Leia would be okay with being referred to as the Sky, like, one of the Skywalker twins? Um, but that's a that's a different conversation. We can talk about that next. But the idea that, that Leia and Luke are the synthesis of Vader and Padme and you know, like in Bloodline, people are horrified by Leia and it ruins her political career because all they know is, is Vader and they don't focus on Padme at all. And I think that's really interesting that, that Vader's bad habits and traits are uh, the only thing that that people would focus on. And it's totally oh. a shame because he wasn't a bad guy when they, she was conceived. Well, I think that's, he wasn't Darth Vader. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's that whole slight Tuscan Raider thing that wasn't so good. Hey, that was his mom. And every boy loves his mommy. That is true. But I do think it is a pity, but I think when, especially if it's a political situation or something like that, people are going to unfortunately latch onto the bad and forget about the good. Oh, we're seeing that right now. That's totally correct. You know, like it it's it's interesting. Like I wonder what Padme's legacy was like in the galaxy and I wonder how that I wonder how Padme's legacy itself um would change based on people knowing that Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. Yeah, I mean uh. I mean if if I just sat here and I thought about it for a while, like Padme did do a lot of good things and she, you know, she fought for the the freedom of the people on Naboo and she tried to keep the Republic together and she tried to do the right things and, and would all of her good doing be completely forgotten about because fast forward through the saga, you know, she got down with Darth Vader. Right. And she helped. I mean, she was manipulated like a lot of other people, but she was a part of helping Palpatine rise to where he did. I, you know, he, he just kind of pushed her, um, you know, with his nice and unassuming, I'm just a humble senator. Yeah. Play so. Yeah, I'm curious to know like how that sort of stuff colors history. But how long it must take? Like, I would like to see, or just hear about. It. I don't think it's maybe interesting enough for a whole story. But the part of the galaxy that somebody has to be concerned with putting putting the pieces back together of history after Palpatine came and essentially erased or controlled a lot of information like there have to be historians who are trying to put together a more accurate picture of what happened in the clone wars and after the clone wars and i think that's well that's people like Lor santeca right oh is that with the church of the force is that well i think part are? of it is like keeping the true stories of the jedi alive gosh oh yeah that makes sense we see in our history that the victors write the history books right but i mean like how would that affect like say like uh, who's the most recent politically neutral U.S. president I can think of off the top of my head? Like, um, I really can't think of one that's politically neutral. But let's say, for the sake of argument, that like 
one of the presidential candidates today, it came out that like their grandparents were like Hitler and Ava Braun. Like, how would that tarnish their legacy? Well, they wouldn't get voted in. They wouldn't even become That's true. a politician at that point. But what if no one knew it but them, and it it came out like that October surprise, like it does in Bloodline, where like, like she's on the verge of becoming the first senator. I don't know. Like it's it's weird. Well, if this person could have you know got rid of any kind of expensive health care and saved a million lives and done a million great things, and uh, his political um, counterparts or the people on the other side of the aisle would take that little tidbit. And again, all the good that was done would be completely forgotten about and they'd be ostracized. That's that's the society we live in, Brian. I guess the question is, is like, how much of the, the good that the mother, like, why is it that we only pay attention to the sins of the father in this case and not the good of the mother? Like, why can't, I mean, Leia points that out, but it doesn't work. So, like, is that a double standard? Is it because he was so evil that people can't grasp their head around that? And they just, like, it doesn't matter how much good her other parent was? Or was it because he was a man and that's sort of um, what the, the legacy of a bloodline is? Like, what? How? at what point does that not matter? Absolutely see what you're saying. And I guess... You know, speaking for me and not the rest of the human race, <laughs> no, which I try not for to do all of ever, humanity right now, Mike. I think it's easier and it's more human nature for people to worry about the what the possibility could be as far as bad things go, not the possibility as far as good things go. So you have uh, two parents. One parent is, you know, positive and, and has done a lot of good deeds. The other parent is bad and done a lot of bad things. People aren't going to say... I mean, just in human nature, people aren't going to sit back and, and come to the conclusion, well, the mother was really great, so I think that's going to supersede anything that the father ever did. People are going to worry about what bad could happen. And I guess that's the thing that's frustrating to me. I mean, I was always, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, I always identified most with Luke Skywalker because I had a monster for a father. And if people are naturally going to say, the parents are a problem here, right, like, you're judged by the quality of your parents. Um, maybe it's maybe it's sort of like unfair. I feel like it's unfair that people would say like, "Hey, your parents were terrible." So guess what? You're terrible too. Well, I, I agree with you, but there's some cult, you know, there's layers to that, which is a horrible person, and then somebody like I don't want to keep going, but there's somebody like Vader, who has killed God knows how many people, and was part of bringing the galaxy to its knees. But, I mean, we obviously know that Leia had, I mean, like... Oh, I know that. I'm just saying, if there was, like, a politician right now running that was the the kid of somebody that we knew to be, like, Darth Vader, like, right or wrong, like, I'm going to be like, oh, I don't think you question that. Hmm. I would. Do you remember when Obama was running the first time for president? And I don't know how it was where you were, but I came across more people that said... I'm not going to vote for Obama because it sounds like Osama bin Laden. Oh, gosh. And that's the ignorance that sometimes we we run into here. And, and uh, I mean, Leia didn't know that Darth Vader was her father when she started, you know, doing things in, in the, the rebellion and, and trying to make a difference. Well, but people that, I feel what really bad for uh, 
for for Rolf Spittler's 2020 presidential cha- chances. <laughs> but what I was going to say is, Brian, I mean, you, you um, embody this better than most people I know. You are very upfront that you did not have a great father and you called him a monster. That's your words, not mine. And you, for the all the time I've known you, you've always have exceptionally been a nice guy and tried to be good to everybody that you come in contact with and be a good person. And most people that do come from a background where they do have one or two horrible parents, they work harder to not be associated with that, to show that they're their own person, that they are a good person and that they don't want to go down that, that path. Which means I would vote for Leia as first Senator, even knowing that her father was Darth Vader. Because you have that experience. You understand that. So I don't know. There's, I mean, that's why, we never talk about, you know, earth politics on this show because there's people have different views on the same topics and it's, and it's hard. And then it gets into a billion emails about how we're bad people. But <laughs> I'm just saying that unfortunately it's a society we live in. And I, I don't think that, that the galaxy far, far away is much different than that. Yeah. I just watch descendants, Disney's descendants. And it's the same thing. Maleficent's kid. Everybody is just set against her. It's an interesting conversation. Like, what what does the prior generation, what does the current generation owe the evil? Uh, like, what do they have? Why do they have to account for the evil of the previous generation? I don't know, but I, Amy, I mean, without having seen the Maleficent movie, I would have had an evil jerk reaction if it's Maleficent's kid. Ugh, what 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 are they gonna do? You know. But having seen Maleficent and seeing that side of the story, I don't have that knee jerk reaction. Yeah, that that live action movie definitely added some context. Yeah. To what she did, to say the least. Yeah. So I didn't want that that one voicemail to derail everything, <laughs> but that was a great voicemail. It was, and thank you for thank you for sending that in. I, I I listened to it when it came in, and I thought it was great. So thank you, Brian, for recommending we play that. First off, that was a great conversation. Do uh, who wants to start and read an email? Well. I will read one if you, but there's no question here. I just wanted to read it because I thought it was hilarious. If one of you want to get an email ready, that actually is going to kick off a conversation. Sure. Sure. So this is uh, from Enrique Marquez. uh, And he says, first of all, thank you all for the effort and guts you put on the podcast. It's rad. My name is Enrique. I'm a chef and from Portugal, but currently working in Barcelona. I started listening to you guys probably a year ago, most times during work. I would connect my phone to the sound system in the kitchen and all of the people there had to listen to you. True story. And other times when I got home after work, sometimes I just lay in bed, put full of Sith on and just chill. So yeah, just to send my best regards to you all and keep up the good stuff. P.S. I also send you a picture of my Vader tattoo. I hope you guys enjoy it. It is badass. Uh, It is a great Vader tattoo, but I just love the idea that there's like a, a Portuguese chef in a Barcelona kitchen forcing his kitchen staff to listen to us in English. Yeah, if he was a sous chef, that would have never happened. <laughs> no, it's 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 a great email. Thank you, Enrique. And, and I think I'll make that uh, Vader tattoo the show art for this week. Yeah, no, it was oh, really nice. cool. Yeah, that's a cool tattoo. Yeah. Amy, you want to go? Yeah, I have one about the living force from, I'm going to try to pronounce this as best as I can, Tom. Tom Carcidi, or maybe Carcidi. He writes and says, hey, guys. First, I love your show. The most thought-provoking conversations are happening there, so thanks for that. I wanted to ask if you've done a show on Qui-Gon's concept of the living force, possibly contrasting that with Yoda's more cosmic force philosophy. And I would love to hear you guys dig into Qui-Gon's story and its impact on Star Wars as a whole. Thanks again, and keep up the hard work. 
I mean, we talk about that a lot. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, we certainly talk about the force and the balance of the force once pretty regularly. We've brought it up, but I don't think we've focused a whole show on that. I like we're getting all these ideas for, like, character-centric shows, like Padme. I would love to do a show on Qui-Gon and why he's the best. Yeah, I'm yeah. Down. Well, let's. I mean, let's definitely do that. I think um, it's interesting. You know, a lot of people want want Star Wars to focus on news, but I think a lot a lot more people out there are thirsty uh, based on so much of the email we're getting, just to have us dive into the mythology. And I really love that. I really love the idea of the. I mean, we did a whole panel on it at Salt Lake Comic Con about the nature of the Force and and. It helped me sort of solidify my thoughts about the difference between the living force and the cosmic force. And uh, it doesn't take much to get me to just start talking about that. So what would you think between the two? If you were forced to sit down and pick which <laughs> philosophy is better, Brian, what, what, do you, what would you believe in? I, I think, and, and this is something, I think, I, think, um, I think it was Pablo on one of the Salt Lake Comic Con episodes. Uh, or one of the the panels who said that Qui Gon was the ideal Jedi, right? Yeah. And 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 it's because he was able to listen to what was going on around him and react to it. There's another email we got. Let me find it. It kind of it uh, it it plays into this specifically. Um, and and they talk about how this is an email from Seth, and he talks about how um. And this is this was an email in response to our our dark side of the force show, mm-hmm. and they talked about how. Um, uh, here's just a, a brief bit about the email. He said, "I was actually writing about the dark side since that was most of the show. I know you touched on the notion that the prequels are really a tragedy about the Jedi falling alongside Anakin. I love this interpretation. I think it has a lot of bearing on your conversation of what balance of the force means. You talked about how the dark side is about control, but the Jedi are just as obsessed." with control yoda's refusal and attack of the clones to tell the senate that their vision is clouded is about losing influence window and quinlan voss both carry out assassination attempts to maintain the status quo with jedi influence the prequel trilogy jedi no longer serve the will of the force uh a la chirrut just like the sith they're using it as a tool to achieve their own goals which isn't really relevatory but i think it points to the sort of balance of the force the balance that the force wants and he he boils it down to this idea that the balance of the force is uh is not good versus evil but acceptance versus control and i think paying attention to the cosmic side of the force and the prophecies and and all of that kind of stuff kind of leads toward that control side and qui-gon and the living force kind of brought us over to that that acceptance side and i know yoda had aspects of both but uh I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. Now, I'm not trying to go negative here, not not purposely, but just to bring it up. I mean, you say about Qui-Gon being the ideal Jedi, but bad things happen because Qui-Gon's not doing what he was really, you know, told to do. Do you mean as far as bringing Anakin into the Order? Yeah. Like, he believed that he was the Chosen One, and he believed that he had, you know— he believed that Anakin was going to do great things and they told him, no, the boy's too old and we shouldn't do this. And I just, I'm sorry. I don't think the ideal Jedi would say, Oh, I think the argument though, is that Qui-Gon, if Qui-Gon would have been able to teach him that acceptance firsthand, 
all of those things that Qui-Gon saw in him would have come true. Ah. And it was the Jedi teaching him that control, those control issues, even in subtle ways. Like, I mean, this is, this is the sort of like, I mean, he does have a good you know, track record as, as a, as a master. I mean, Obi-Wan turned out, you know, he didn't do any go dark. I mean, so yeah, but I, I just have that feeling that at some point, down the road, same thing would happen with Anakin. The, the Emperor would have still came across Anakin. The Emperor still would have gotten we, onto his side. We and, write our own destiny, Mike. Not when the Emperor is involved, that, Prime. I think that if Qui-Gon would have been around, he would have... Things would have gone differently for Anakin. And I think that Qui-Gon being... I mean, sometimes you know, the bat, rules are good, right? Laws are generally good and helpful, but sometimes in organizations, I feel like you're really stifled by the rules you make for yourselves and that sometimes they evolve and they might've been a good idea hundreds of years ago, but now they're just kind of arbitrary rules that you still follow because somebody thought it was a good idea and it's fine. Like we'll keep doing it. And that can let you fall into complacency. And that's what happened with the Jedi. And I think Qui-Gon was one of the few, as far as we know, who, who saw past that and was willing to, look beyond the, to kind of treat the rules more like guidelines and make it more flexible and be like, I know this is what you're saying, but is this boy is here. He's really powerful. How can we just, you know, not do anything with him? Well, and what would have happened if Anakin had continued learning about all of this stuff on his own? Like being told, like, you have the power to tap into this stuff. No, we're not allowed to train you. He goes off on his own or Palpatine just scoops him up right there. Yeah, we saw Palpatine go after in the Clone Wars. Uh, didn't he hire Cad Bane to steal Jedi the, children? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's. Well, I, I feel like Palpatine would have got his hands on too. Think and, about yeah. This. See, I think I think that too. And, and and I guess my big problem is, and this is going to make me sound probably less of a man, but I um the romantic in me wants to believe in fate at least to some extent. And if we write our own destiny, then we don't have any kind of fate, and that that the romantic in me just doesn't like that. But I, that's the entire like point of the prequels, right? Like, hey, listen, all these prophecies that were fated to be true, like all of it's bunk. Sorry. Um, but think about think about how Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith would have been if think about everything in Phantom Menace playing exactly the same way it does, except for them telling. Obi-Wan, he's not allowed to train Anakin, right? Obi-Wan leaves the Order. Obi-Wan probably goes to Dooku, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's, I mean, where does he go? He goes to someone who's left the Order, who's been uh, displeased with the Jedi. Knows what he's and going then Obi -Wan, through. And knows what he's going through, yeah, and was his master's master. So, like, I think that actually turns into a worse situation. Man, but he said he'd never join Dooku. But that's because at, by the time Attack of the Clones came around, it was obvious that he was evil and he'd been making like all kinds of threats and knew that he was trying to kill Padme, right? Yeah, no, I'm not disagreeing with you. I was just, you know, talking about the movie. That would be fascinating. That would be an interesting one of those like uh, Infinities comics. I just, at some point, this this boy, whether he be a boy or a teenager or a young man, his powers and what he's capable of gets to the emperor and the emperor gets his claws in him and manipulates him to do exactly what he wants him to do. And then falls down a reactor shaft. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> That's a good email though. But Amy, I wasn't being sarcastic. That was very wise. 
what you said. Oh, thank you. Um, this one is from David. Actually, this one, you guys didn't see this one yet because it came in in the middle of the night last night, but I think this is a good one. And it That's says, okay. We're all up. Yeah. <laughs> it says, uh, <laughs> good day, guys. Thanks for the awesome Star Wars discussions. I look forward to listening to you on my long drive to work. And I always get a new perspective of the Star Wars universe after listening to you. I just finished listening to the Lando Calrissian episode and thought I'd throw in my two bobs worth regarding the upcoming Han Solo movie. It's great. I just want to interject real quick. I had the choice tonight to either watch Force Awakens or The Martian. And since we talked about Donald Glover last week and it's been fresh in my mind, I I went with The Martian tonight. And it's such a good movie. I love that movie. Anyway, um, it's great to see that uh, the story will include Lando. Learning the history between the two will be fun. You all seemed not too keen on a standalone Boba Fett movie, but surely we can assume that a Han Solo movie would include Boba as well as Jabba. I would love to see Jabba. I don't think necessarily Boba Fett would have to be in the movie. That's me talking, not not David. Uh, anyway, um, it saves Disney from producing another standalone film by incorporating a Boba Fett and Jabba side story in the Han Solo film. With so much history between these characters that is alluded to in the original trilogy, surely we'd have uh, have to see the origins of these relationships. One last thing, it's killing me to know who this Snoke dude is. I saw on YouTube a theory that looks at Mace Window being Snoke and Finn being Windu's son, not only because of the color thing, the color thing, um, but because of his possible force yielding lightsaber potential. And he shares that link, and we can put that in the show notes, but it says it discusses the likelihood of Windu surviving the arm chop off and the fall after battling Anakin and Palpatine. High chance of survival considering Maul gets cut in half and falls down a chasm. As well as the fact between Windu's blade is purple, a mix between red and blue, could Mace Windu be converting Ben Solo for revenge against the Skywalker lineage? Could he have palmed off his son to the First Order to keep track of him, only to have his son in company with Rey rise against him and Kylo Ren? BS, you reckon, he asks. Love to hear your thoughts. And says, keep up the great work. And that's Dave from Perth, Australia. Thank you. From another continent. Uh, BS and D. A lot of global emails, by the way. That's yeah, cool. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for emailing, but I agree that that's uh, I, well, I think unlikely. Pablo has said that, like, Pablo kind of like when this rumor started going around, Pablo on Twitter pretty much said like, sorry, sorry, everyone, he's dead. And they haven't been shy about casting um, people from the past movies to reprise their roles. So my guess is if it was really Mace Windu, they would not have hired Andy, Andy Serkis. Okay. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I just want Snoke to be Snoke. I don't want him to be anybody. I'd be okay yeah. with being Plagueis, but that's not the case. Um, and I mean, as far as Boba Fett, I mean, he could be in there. I mean, I, they don't have to cram every bit of relationship. The thing that Lawrence Kasdan's really good at is implying relationships and things. Um, so maybe they we just get like the wink and the nod to Boba Fett in some dialogue. Which I I would be completely fine with that, and this isn't because I don't want a Boba Fett standalone movie. I would be fine with that because it does leave other stories to be, you know, looked at and told later. Like we have plenty of time. But that possible, yeah. I mean, that that's that's perfectly fine with me. However, um, the cynic in me always thinks that we're going to try to uh, put as many things in this movie as possible um, to please everybody, and in so doing that you end up irritating and getting everybody mad because you 
don't really have a storyline. You just have a bunch of characters in a movie that didn't really go anywhere. I don't think we can ever accuse Lawrence Kasdan of that. No, no but no. it's happened before. Not with Kasdan, but it has happened, right? Yeah. I mean, you just didn't like Batman and Superman. That's 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 because it wasn't good. Well, because they tried to do too much. I didn't mind it. I thought it was an okay movie. For the record. Um, I think that was one of its many problems. <laughs> For um, the record. <laughs> I think, never mind. Let's not get into that because I don't want to. There are many fans out there of Batman versus Superman, and they're completely entitled to their opinion. Agreed. And uh, I don't want to get into that. Sure. So I got another email. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, so this one is from Brad Smith. And Brad says, Dear Mike, Brian, and Amy, my family and I are still descending from the pleasant high induced by Salt Lake Comic Con. Uh, all of you contributed to our enjoyment of this particular con, and I wanted to thank you all for the panels you moderated or took part in. I haven't been able to go to a Star Wars celebration yet, and it was nice to hear from you in the live edition of your podcast that SLCC had so much content that it was like a mini celebration. And I don't know if any of you have influence on the guest list, but it was really cool to see so many knowledgeable Star Wars experts on the panels. Um, I, uh, Before you continue, about... I just want to interject real quick. That A lot okay. of that had to do with the way that they kind of set up the who came to, to Salt Lake City Comic Con. Ryan and his team they asked questions on social media and who would you like to see? Who would you not like to see? I think that's awesome that they put that out to the people that are going to be attending that comic. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, it, it is. I think they do good work and it really does feel like a mini celebration. Yeah. So to continue, sorry, since I met, I met Brian a few times, not that I'm particularly memorable. He met me, not him. I'm sure he's completely memorable. Uh, it was nice to finally be able to meet Mike and Amy, and thank you for your hard work on the podcast. I think the message of fan inclusion is gaining momentum in no small part because of your collective efforts, and I think this con was the first time I've ever heard a room full of Star Wars fans cheer for Jar Jar. I've heard Brian preach that Jar Jar is the key to everything more than a few times, and I agree that the character is important without having quite the Jar Jar enthusiasm that Brian does. And and this is the part of the email. This this doesn't lead into a question, but this story is so amazing, and I'm so happy about it um, that this is why I wanted to read this email. He says, my daughter had never heard it explained like that before, and she attended the live podcast session with me. Afterward, she remarked, isn't it interesting that Luke was tested by Yoda and failed, whereas Leia was tested by real life and passed with Wicked? Whether by training, inclination, or force sensitivity, Leia was clearly better at some aspects of the force than Luke. I'll bet she would have been more powerful than Luke if she'd pursued Jedi training. Isn't that an interesting insight? It had never occurred to me before. Thanks for making SLCC 16 great. Keep up the stellar work. May the force be with you, Brad Smith. What I really like about that, and living it, Brian, you live it too. We have younger, younger kids, and especially daughters, and... What I really like about Star Wars and there being new movies and bringing in new fans and, and new opinions because it's a younger generation, I really like I'm getting to be an old curmudgeon man and I don't have the certain kind of wonder or thoughts and I'm stuck in my ways and sometimes. But you get new opinions and new ideas and and from a different point of view. In this case, it was a young lady. And, and I love that. I think that that's something really, really going for Star Wars right now. And it's I think... It's a smart observation, and yeah. it makes sense, too, though, because Leia also, she comes from political backgrounds, so she's going to, I think, approach those situations with more of an open mind and more diplomatically than, than Luke has had experience with meeting 
who knows who on Tatooine or nobody on Tatooine where she's met people from presumably in her role, like, you know, we saw a little bit in Rebel, she's met people from all over the galaxy. I think she just has more experience with encountering, like, I think she would have been kind to Jar Jar. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. I wonder if she knew Jar Jar. It's possible. I mean, why, I, yeah. why the, the Naboo delegation and the Alderanian delegation were obviously close before. Um, Bail Organa and Jar Jar, I mean, they shared scenes together in Attack of the Clones. Why wouldn't why wouldn't, Why wouldn't they know you each other? Run into him at some point. I think, and yeah. I, I appreciate in the email him talking about you know uh, inclusion and um, our parts in it. That's that's very kind to say. I appreciate that. Um, but it also this conversation we're having right now goes completely. You know, it's it's absolutely speaks for that. I mean, a few years ago, even more than a few years ago, if you brought up the fact that Leia might have been a stronger Jedi than Luke had she gone through training. Uh, the answer might have been, or a good possibility, it would have been, well, no, because she's a girl, and she couldn't be powerful, and she couldn't do these things, and and that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think, I think the narrative has changed a lot. I think that's that's good, and I think that I like to think that we're creating a space safe enough that people feel comfortable bringing their daughters, yeah, and their sons, yeah, totally. and they don't have to worry about that, and they can make observations like this, and not only will we both, will we all say like, huh. I've never thought about like that, uh, about that like that before. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge Jar Jar fan, but when you talked about that during the one panel, be. you will be. When you talked about that whole, um, your whole theory about Jar Jar and what this young lady was talking about, when you said that, and like you said, I've never really been in a room full of that many people ending up cheering Jar Jar at the end of people talking about him, but it's you know it's absolutely true. It's absolutely the case. And my my opinions on, I I I wouldn't say I've disliked the prequels because I I did like the prequels, but my views on many characters in the prequels, uh, including Jar Jar, have been changed not just by talking to you guys on the show, but listeners who have sent me messages on Facebook or have tracked me down at a con or seen me in person, and um, I think that's wonderful. Like you said, I think I think the uh, the environment's changing, and I think that that's because before. I mean, you still get it. I mean, you still get it when you go somewhere and you start talking about Jar Jar. You're going to have 45% of the people roll their eyes and go, uh, uh, you know. My favorite thing to do in a conversation is is when it turns to Jar Jar and, and me just kind of go, what's wrong with Jar Jar? Knowing that, that knowing where I know the, where the rest of that conversation is going. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like that you kind of force people into actually coming up with something and not just saying Hebrew and Star Wars, you know? Anyway. Yes. Yeah. Just an observation I had. Amy, do you have another email? I do. This one is from, I mean, I keep picking ones with last names. I'm not going <laughs> to. From Michael Granny Airy. So we'll go me. with that. Sure. This is Brian, Mike, and Amy. Hey, guys. I love the show and was wondering if you could give your opinions on something that's been rattling around in my head. Oh, dear sir, we'd love to give opinions. Okay. Uh, he says, after <laughs> seeing this image, in Ray's vision, he's referring to the image of the Knights of Ren. Says, I automatically assumed it was a foregone conclusion that they were all dead, meaning the Knights of Ren killed by Kylo. This is intense speculation, but the way I figured it, after they killed all of Luke's students, Kylo couldn't bring himself to kill little Ray to cover this obvious display of weakness. Ky kill Kylo killed the rest of the Knights and hid Ray on Jakku and played it off to Snoke like it was a premeditated badass Sith power move. But in talking to others, it seems many people think they are alive 
and are expecting to see them in episode eight. What are your theories and why? And if they are alive, what do you think was going on in that picture above, which was the picture of the, the Knights of Ren with the red lightsaber from Ray's vision? Well, it was the one with um, the one getting like whoever was going to bash her with the yes. lightsaber through his chest. Yes, that specifically. Yeah. Yes. I mean, for me, the, as far as I've thought into it, and now I'll probably think about it the rest of the night while I'm trying to fall asleep. For me, for Ray and why her parents left her there. Uh, has always been that they were leaving to protect her. They were trying to get away from her. So if anything did happen with them, she wouldn't be involved. She wouldn't be killed. She wouldn't have to suffer, even though she suffered without parents and was an orphan practically. I mean, as a parent, I would think that the only way I would leave my child is if it was for the best interest of the child. Um, I, go ahead, Amy, please. Okay. That's a theory I agree with definitely parts of. Because I think that when Ray was left on Jakku, that her memory was altered and tampered with. And we've seen proof that Kylo Ren can yeah. have some abilities in that regard. And I think that's a theory I've heard before as well. And I don't, I don't disagree with it. I think that she was the one left at Luke's because, like, and that's why Kylo recognizes her later when he's mentions kind of a couple points, like, uh, when the, the guy talks about BB-8 being captured by a scavenger, I don't know, there are a couple of points where you feel like she, he recognizes her or, like, from something. Do you think that, let's say Kylo did try to alter her memories, right? Before we go down that rabbit hole, I would like to offer that Bloodline has completely separated those two parts of the timeline so that we know Ray was left years and years and years before Kylo's turn. Okay, but Kylo still might have had the ability to make people forget things, right? And the only thing I was trying to say was she already has proved in uh, Force Awakens that she could, you know, kind of fight that. So if she was younger, she didn't have that that power. She didn't have the capability of completely shutting Kylo out or Ben might have at that that moment it might have been. He didn't get everything and she does still have some memories of her parents taking off in their ship and going. And then much later... Or whoever left her there. Yeah, and then much later... He tries it again, and it doesn't work. I think it's interesting that they gave Darth Maul those powers as well on Rebels. We see him pulling those memories from Hera's brain right? Yeah. Um, in, in those episodes of Rebels. So I'm wondering if that's just a dark side thing. And, and maybe part of that was to try to help dispel the idea that Kylo was involved yeah. in, in it. And, and, and I think there's a line that Kylo has in The Force Awakens that kind of proves to me that he's never met her before. When he says, so you're the girl I've heard so much about. Like, she's this story. I think you could... I think you should still I don't know, know you somebody. could almost interpret it two ways, yeah. But, but we do have, like, Bloodline made it pretty clear that Ray... Well, that Kylo, Kylo's turn happened within a few years of The Force Awakens. And Ray's right. been on Jakku for a decade plus. Yeah. That's true. Um... So, so if it was, I think that's why I like the idea that maybe I'm not saying Maul was involved, but that someone using the dark side might have that ability to to futz with her memory. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so, oh, wait. So, do we think the Knights of Ren are alive or dead? I guess we should answer that part of the question, huh? <laughs> um, I don't think they're all dead. I think some of them are alive, and I think we are going to see them in Episode Eight. I agree. I think that. Even I think the the membership the roster is not necessarily a set thing. So even if previous ones have died, I think 
that we'll see some Knights of Ren. Well, and right? Snoke, that... the Knights of Ren could still be doing stuff about the galaxy without Kylo. Snoke, well, I think maybe the Knights of Ren could be the opening crawl for Revenge of the Sith, or for Episode Eight, right? Yeah. Like, what? give us some more information about them, but um, Snoke has a really interesting line about that. Uh, he tells Kylo, uh, you, master of the Knights of Ren, in the present tense, mm-hmm. multiple knights. Yeah. That's why I go there. That's why I think that. And I think you're absolutely right. I think it's definitely something that's going to be in the crawl for episode eight. Has to be. Yeah. If not for the current time, something having to do with the past. But it would make more sense yeah. for being the current time, to me anyway. Hmm. It's fascinating. I love the questions you're all sending in. Yeah. Like it's it's amazing to me. I love listener emails. That's why I always say, "Oh, we're going to get to this next week or the week." I, Maybe we should try to start doing one a show. We we probably should, but what we do is we get so caught up in what we're doing, and then it's ten minutes after we were supposed to be done, and and then it, clearly you could see what we had, had tons of emails to read tonight, and we've read what, four or five of them so far? And we're almost out of time. Yeah. So I, I think we should probably make a better conscious effort to do at least one a show. But one of the emails um, that we don't need to read, but um, one of them mentioned about us being at Salt Lake Comic Con when we did our live show, and instead of being in a room full of people and talking to ourselves, that we opened it up right away to, to the to the listeners and that they really liked that that aspect of the show and they liked that we did that and they were grateful that we didn't just sit there and do a show. And I agree. I, I agree. If you're, if you're around that many uh, great fans that I actually want to, I, I'm listen, I know I'm there to talk, but I actually like hearing everybody else talk too. So it, uh, yeah. it made it really easy to prep for the panel too. Yeah. That's also accurate. It was like, so we're just going to take audience questions until James Arnold Taylor shows up done. Perfect. <laughs> So this uh, this email I'm going to read is from Justin Dannenbergs and um, kind of dealing with race. That's why I picked this one, Amy, because we were just talking about that. Uh, hello, Mike, Amy, and Brian. A big fan of the podcast, especially enjoying the recent po- panels from SLCCC. I have questions that are bothering me about Ray even more than who who happens to be her family. How in the name of the forest does anyone that loves Ray leave her with Unger Plot? Someone thought he would be a good guardian. The guy won't even give her a decent amount of rations. For her work, he's not a loving father figure. In fact, he doesn't give a bantha poo about her, barely acknowledging her at his business. Being left on a backwater planet, there is no water on Jakku, not really. Um, on a back sand planet, back sand planet with a jerk like him doesn't seem like an act of loving parents. There's no, and it could not, it may not have been her parents. There's nowhere else that she could have been left. No one that could keep her safe and actually care for her. Um, Sometimes, you know, when you take care of yourself, you become a better adult. Leia got to be a princess. Luke was left with his strict uncle, but at least Owen cared for him and tried to, his best to keep him out of harm's way. Ray gets Unger plot. <laughs> this is nagging at me more than any other question from The Force Awakens. Has uh, it been addressed anywhere? Any thoughts on this would be very appreciated. Keep up the great work and insights. I look forward to the podcast every week. Again, it's Justin. So what are your thoughts? So the question is why Uncarp plot, right? Like yeah, why is like, that the person she gets left with? I wonder if Jakku is just such a meh planet. Like he was just, I mean, okay, so it doesn't seem great. Seems very greedy. But in the outpost of Nima, he seems like the only successful business person. He's running the show. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that. So he's, I mean, he's got 
that going for him. He's fairly well known. I mean, Solo, Solo and Chewbacca pretty much knew who he was when she brought it up. Yeah, and I mean, he we know he's at Maz, Maz's castle later. So I'm like, maybe I like to think and hope that during her younger years, she's clearly learned a lot about survival. So she's she's, I assume, pretty much raised herself. But I like to think that he at least. When before she was old enough to scavenge, she at least took care of her in that way. Like at least gave made sure she had food and water, and brushed her hair once in a while. Yeah, maybe. I mean, she may not have an overabundance of food or shelter, but she was at least guaranteed some. If that was the case. Yeah, and then once she was old enough to forage for herself, out in I, the he was like, eh. Yeah, I've got a different theory about it. We don't do that here, Brian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, my droids will have to wait outside. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that maybe I've been thinking a lot that maybe we've been reading the vision of Ray and Ankar Plutt taking her too literally. Um, like, you know how, when you have a nightmare and you put two completely, uh, non-connected thoughts together in something that's, that's equally traumatic and together they're greater than the sum of their parts in that trauma. Um, so being left on the planet and having to deal with Unkar Plutt could be two completely different traumatic elements being blended together in one vision in her nightmare, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and for two, I wonder if maybe more clues about who her parents are come from where she is and that helmet and that doll she has, right? That right. doll was, was crafted by someone either very close to her or by Ray herself for someone that has um, an interest in her, right? Or, or someone that, that she has a lot of respect for and is interested in, right? Someone uh, who, who's that... I oh, think she just found orange fabric and then like, I'm going to make myself a doll that looks like an X-Wing pilot. But, but that's the thing, though, right? Like, the X-Wing pilot becomes something she aspires to. She's a mechanic. She wants to be a pilot. If you've read, Have you read Before the Awakening? I have, but with my memory, that unfortunately doesn't mean a lot. It's about her repairing the ship and and learning how to be a pilot, finding and fixing that simulator so she could train so that she'd be ready to leave. Right, and then Um, getting screwed. And Yeah, exactly. Um, But that, and like her putting on and carrying around, like that, she didn't find that helmet uh, from the Tyrfine Yellow Aces. Like, she didn't find that helmet, which was a female pilot's helmet, by the way. She didn't find that in the ad at home she's chosen for herself. I'd love in an That's ad something at home. she's been she's been carrying that around with her. She's been carrying that doll around with her. These are things that mean something to her. Totally. And Jakku was a major conflict site, right? And there's probably going to be a lot of rebels and a lot of Imperials left there in the wake of the war. What if she's very much like Poe Dameron? Right? Where it's just like his parents decided to quit. They moved over to, like, Poe's parents moved to Yavin 4 and raised him until they had to get back involved in the war. Maybe Ray was, uh, maybe maybe Ray's parents were were left on Jakku, uh, you know, just to, to keep tabs on things. And they had to get out of there quickly, and maybe they didn't mean to leave Ray there, but they had to get out in a situation that was bad. And uh, yeah. and maybe that's why she has to survive there on her own. I don't think anybody... I, I think Justin is right, and that no one in their right mind who loves Rey is going to leave her willingly with Ankar Plutt. Yeah, but, I mean, the Battle of Jakku happened there. It's kind of out of the way. The It just seems like a safe place to leave well, somebody. 
I mean, think about aside that there's really not that much water. Have have either of you read um the original draft of Star Wars or the Dark Horse adaptation, the Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Um, do you know how it starts out with like um the 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 father and the two like kids there and they're training, they're out in the middle of this desert yeah. planet, and the the dark Sith warrior just shows up and kills one of the kids mm-hmm. and the other guy gets in the uh gets in the ship with the other kid he kills them and they're like they found us we have to go right it has that speed and that urgency to it and they've proved that they're going back to the well of george lucas's original ideas what if maybe that is sort of the basis for where ray came from but so maybe maybe this was a situation maybe they've mined this for a situation that maybe that's what left ray there at a much younger age than than they would have liked right so maybe maybe they arrive here they're in hiding for whatever reason maybe the church of the force is involved maybe um you know i'm i'm not sure maybe there's still some leftover inquisitors maybe they were put in charge and then somebody was going to come to get them because now you have the first order getting rid of people maybe this is how zuvio enters the story um, but but i mean you see what i mean like there's a lot of possibilities here for where she could come from that are just that 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 don't necessarily involve Kylo Ren or her being left specifically with Unkar Plutt with her parents, uh, by her parents. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a lot of possibilities. possibilities. That's true. Let, let me take a step back a second. Were you kind of implying that Ray's mom was an X-wing pilot? I think that that's a possibility. I I, I wouldn't completely rule that out. I think that's actually really cool. I mean, I, watching the movie and trying to 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 determine clues about her parentage just from what we have of the Force Awakens. I don't think that's an unreasonable guess. Oh, no, definitely no, not. No, and I'm at that point right now where I just want to see episode eight so we can go back and say, ah, that makes total Wouldn't sense. Wouldn't that be heartbreaking, though, if her, her mom was a rebel pilot and, like, that's why she has so much, like, the, her mom turning out to be a rebel pilot would make those shots of her doll and her staring out at the sand with the X-Wing helmet so much more heartbreaking. Mm. Yeah, it really does. Wouldn't she at some point mention, though, that her mom was a rebel pilot, or it was an X-Wing pilot? Not if, her thoughts were, not if her thoughts were kind of taken away. Oh, that's true. Or, Anything's or when possible. you're young, you don't remember everything, or it just wasn't important to the story right now. <laughs> When you're my age, you don't remember everything. Yeah, yeah I can imagine, especially from being a kid. I love, like, every time we, uh, like, when sometimes when we bring stuff up and you're like, well, we've already proved that my memory's gone, so that it's makes me laugh. so bad. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, should I get that checked? I'm like, is this normal? It's normal. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> how about we read another one or two quick ones and then uh, get on out of here? Sounds good to me. Brian, you're up. This one is from Colby Fox in New Orleans. Uh, Colby asks, the next season of Rebels looks like Ezra will be caught up in a will he or won't he embrace the dark side of the Force story. I often get a lot, give a lot of thoughts to the Force lineage and an aspect of a story like this that really intrigues me is Ezra bringing back Vapad, which is uh, uh, a sort of dark side leaning form of lightsaber combat from the old EU. And he says, Ezra is learning the ways of the Force from Kanan, who obviously wasn't fully trained as a Jedi, but certainly learned the basics well enough. Kanan was trained by Depa Balaba, who is a Jedi Master and knew Form uh, 7 very well, because the Master who trained her was Mace Windu, who developed it. 
I'm interested in hearing any thoughts you have about this. I really enjoyed those discussions you all had about the Force. People seem to really like it when we talk about the Force. Weird. Um, no, I, I really I love talking about Jedi lineage. I think that whole like Yoda, Dooku, Qui Gon, Obi Wan, Anakin, Luke lineage is some of the most fascinating stuff in the world to me. Um, and I think there's some interest there in that maybe Mace Windu could have had similar lineage with Mace and, and Depa Balaba and Kanan and Ezra. Um, and I think as the season's playing out, I think, I think, I don't know. I don't want to say that it seems like by now we're, we're almost mid season and maybe, maybe Ezra's back on the right path, but, but maybe they are setting up for that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I feel like Ezra's, I don't feel like that's fully resolved yet. His, his curiosity or his quest for knowledge rather as, uh, to help to stop the dark side. Sith. And uh, I thought it was really interesting to see in season two him actually learning lightsaber combat um, in that holocron from Anakin. Hmm. That that was super interesting. Yeah. Well, one more, Amy. Okay, this one is good because this is just an analogy I really like. I don't know that it has a question in it, but I think it's really clever. From Davin Emerson. Hey, Emerson's one I can pronounce. <laughs> the subject is dark side clouding light. He says, so I listened to your dark side episode. Very nice work, and I thought of an analogy for the dark side clouding thing. There's a room, the overall force. No windows or any exits in that room. There's a fireplace with a decent-sized fire burning. That's the Jedi. This fireplace and lights... This fireplace and lights built into the ceiling are the light side of the force. Palpatine comes along and slowly and sneakily builds a dimmer switch into the wall. Those are the Clone Wars and his plans. And he ever so slightly turns down the light. If you stand in the glow of the fire more and more, you won't be able to see what's beyond the firelight, thus clouding the lights. And your and the, your vision slowly this fire begins to die down from neglect and the room gets darker and at the end palpatine and anakin take a bucket of sand it's the clones and dump it on the fire that's order 66 but just before they do two embers kenobi and yoda pop from the fire and land underneath an ottoman or whatnot and sit there smoldering until finally the obi-wan ember catches the carpet of blaze that's luke and slowly but surely as palpatine stands and basks in his dark room his dark room becomes a house of fire. That's interesting. That's really poetic. Yeah, I know. Sorry, Kat. Ahsoka hey. really wants to be on this podcast, guys. It's okay. Ahsoka is always welcome, whether that's your cat or Ashley or whatever. <laughs> Ahsoka lives. <laughs> but that was, I thought, just a really, <laughs> she does live, and she's a pain in the butt sometimes. Yeah, there's no, there's no like, fecal matter this week, is there? <laughs> No, thank goodness. <laughs> so I just thought that was a really lovely way to to contextualize how Palpatine stamped, you know, how the dark side clouded the, the light side in the prequel trilogy. Yeah. So well done. Well done, Davin. Yeah, it's a great email. Thank you for sending it in. Thank you for everybody who sent in emails. Um, I'm going to be completely honest with everybody. Um, this batch of emails did not get to Amy and Brian until late last night. I have been, I switched Middle my phone. Middle of the night. Well, yeah, I switched my, <laughs> I switched my phone out a couple weeks back. And then when I reconnected all my email addresses, every email we ever got in 
went back onto my phone. So there were like 6,200 emails that I had to go through. Some of them I might have resent that were already sent in. So I was worried about that. So, um, but typically, uh, I get these to Amy and Brian right away. Uh, we do read your emails. We do enjoy your emails. We do think about the things that we, we read in the emails. That's why we ask for them. So please keep uh, sending those in or, or leaving us a voicemail on the SpeakPipe app. I, I always love to hear more audio content from the listeners as well. If you want to record something on your computer and send the audio file to us in an email, that's fine too. Um, if you don't have the te- the the capabilities to do it on your computer, email me and I'll give you my voicemail line and you can call my phone and I'll rip it from there. So um, I just want to thank everybody for uh, all the content and all the emails and, and, and well wishes and, and positive thoughts that everybody sends in. So keep those coming and, and we will do a better job of at least trying to do one every week or every two weeks. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good plan. Yeah. We got, we got one in particular from uh, our friend Tom Andrews and it was a really good one that I hope that we can talk about next week for a little bit. So that being said, that's uh, episode 189. It's in the books, Amy. Um, like I try to always remember to ask, can you let everybody know where they can find you and read your writings and such? Yes. That's perfect time because there was a police siren that just faded <laughs> my neighborhood. Amy Los lives Angeles in a demilitarized zone. <laughs> People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy underscore peak. And you can find my writing on starwars.com and nerdist.com. And I have a couple interviews in the new Star Wars Insider. Great. And I do another Star Wars podcast called Lattes with Leia. You should check it out. It's very good. Yeah. I was trying to remember. That's it. That's it. Okay. All the things. Yeah, all things Amy are, is awesome. Brian, what about you? Uh, you can find my writing every Monday or Tuesday at StarWars.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SwankMotron. You can follow me at Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash SwankMotron. And there I will read you stories that I've written every month that you get to help decide what stories I'm writing. Get around the fire, kids. It's story time with Brian Young. Yeah, I no, it's it. fun. The, the stories I've been coming up with i've been really happy with um you can also see my work at how stuff works and uh amy or uh, holly fry and i uh holly from stuff you missed in history class and who's been on the show quite a few times uh her and i are doing a new podcast called Fothentic history that you should definitely please go check out we do fake history from like star wars and other nerdy franchises like we were real historians in the universe so check that yeah. out it's authentic good oh go ahead no it was just it's authentic history and you should check it out because it's a great show it's fun to listen to and if you ever heard holly on this show or her podcast boy she's an entertaining lady yeah she's I like she's, holly yeah i love talking to holly um for me you can go to the mic.com and find everything there um if you'd like to leave us a voicemail like i was mentioning earlier you can use the SpeakPipe app on the website or the other couple things that i offered as well uh, go to fullsit.com you can find that there as well as our contact information like our twitters at full of sith at the mic at amy underscore geek at swankmatron also facebook.com slash full of sith you can go and like us there and then the facebook group is facebook.com slash group slash full of sith you can find all these links in the show notes on the website on the facebook uh, it's it's added there every week. Please go there and join in the uh, discussions that we have almost uh, several times a day. And then also Holocron at fullsith.com. That is our email address. And please get more emails in, questions, thoughts, theories, anything, anything you want to talk about. Because, you know, if we get emails about Star Wars, it's then more Star Wars in our day. So I don't think any of us have a problem with that, right? 
Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And then iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play Store for reviews if you haven't done that yet. So um, that's about it. Anything else to add? No. No? Uh, I think so. Okay, cool. Well, I really like this Thursday format. I feel like I was wide awake and, and uh, not early in the morning or you know, exhausted. So, um, I like this. This is nice. And, um, always a pleasure to talk to you and Brian, Amy and, um, episode 189 of full of Sith for my, uh, great co-host Brian Young and Amy Ratcliffe. I am the Mike pilot. May the force be with you. Always. If you'll not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.